eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back for another episode of the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. Uh, back again for another week, uh, another dose of college football goodness. I'm joined by Maxwell, uh, just me and Maxwell this week. Um, but yeah, how are you buddy? You okay? I'm all good, thank you. Yeah, it's um, another exciting week of uh, college football that I'm happy to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, lots to get through. We're going to mainly focus on sort of some disappointments uh, and some surprises for teams. Um, we're going to kind of move away from the kind of like review preview format that we've been doing for a few weeks. Um, obviously, we'll do that. We'll check in. Obviously, there's a few big games coming up this weekend and um, we'll kind of mention that as well, but kind of moving into, um, yeah, like I say, sort of looking at the teams more closely. I know we're kind of doing that with our articles. I released an article yesterday on Isaiah Hodgins. Um, and named it the best wide receiver that you've never heard of because I don't think he's getting the praise that he deserves. So uh, if you want to read about that, if you want to read about the Oregon Be- Oregon State Beavers wide receiver, go over to full10yards.com and in the college section, you'll see that one there. And I know that we've got a couple of articles on teams, so I kind of thought that we'd do the podcast kind of based around these things. Um, yeah, so before we get into that, uh, Max, what's your kind of first sort of headline that you'll come up with for sort of the week college football? I've had to sort of give you one, um, sort of thing to pinpoint? I think the uh, big one for me was the fact that uh, Justin Fields and that Ohio State offense in particular might just be for real. Um, you know, what we saw was them take on their first big opponent because mm-hmm. um, Michigan State, although their offense hasn't been brilliant to start this year, their defense is always fantastic. And um, they've been really strong this season, but they got um, shut. Well, got, we we got to see um, what that run game in particular looks like, and I think they ran for nearly 250 yards in the end on what is usually a staunch defense. Um, mm. And Justin Fields, although he wasn't flawless like he'd been all year, he was still um, special, and his, his you know with his legs as well. Um, so um, that was for me the probably the biggest headline is that we've got a real contender there in Ohio State. Mm. Yeah, now up to number three in the rankings and, and deserving of it as well. Like, I think we talked about them quite a lot last week, and yeah, I think we have to sort of respect them as a as a genuine contender now, right at the top of college football. My sort of main headline, if we want to sort of narrow it down to one, I won't mention Jonathan Taylor again because I always mention him every single week, and I'm starting to sound like a Badgers fan. Um, I'll go into the SEC and we'll go into the big matchup of the week between Florida and Auburn. I don't think any of us kind of expected Florida to win this. We were all talking about the Auburn D last week and obviously you've got the factor that uh, the Gators don't have their usual starting quarterback. Kyle Trask was playing. He actually got knocked out of the game for a little while so Emory Jones had to come in. But they still got the, the job done. And and behind a, a running game that's quite resurgent, it's it's not been the greatest asset of theirs, um, the running game so far this season. But Michael P. Ryan going for 130 yards and a touchdown and, uh, yeah, getting it done over their SEC rivals that were also really sort of red hot. So, yeah, that was my sort of one to sort of take away. Um, yeah, we, there's a few, like I say, but I want to kind of gloss over it. But, yeah, I just want to shout out on that one. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we just point out we won't. Um, we'll, we'll touch back on um, UCF again in, in a bit. We will. Um, but you can't you can't deny the fact that that was a a big one as well. And actually, also, you know, those Thursday night games in general, it's uh, it's always uh, it's always fun to get a big game on there. 
uh, or a big thing happen because it gets quite a lot of coverage, which um, mm. college football doesn't always get. So um, that was obviously a big start of the weekend. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think those are the big, the big points. Yeah, no, definitely. It was good to get that out on the Thursday. It set yourself up for the weekend, uh, whets the appetite for the Saturday schedule. And uh, like you say, yeah, it's two group of five teams right at the top of the group of five with Cincinnati and UCF. And they provided us with a really good game. Um, I suppose one last thing I might kind of touch on something that I was tweeting about when I was watching it quite a lot was uh, the LSU versus Utah State game. And uh, Jordan Love didn't exactly sort of blow the doors off LSU. LSU obviously won quite comfortably, but he didn't disgrace himself either. Um, we had a lot of silly talk about if he plays well against LSU, that he's cementing himself as a first-round pick and potentially number one overall pick in April. But all oh, that was a bit silly. And he, I, I, came, I kind of get the feeling that he sort of remained in the same esteem that he is currently. I don't think he harmed his draft stop, but I don't think he sort of improved it either with that performance. Yeah, it's a difficult one because obviously <clears throat> you, you don't put up any points like that or whatever, six points. Mm. Um, it's hard to say. It's re- you, would, you would say before the game, if he puts less than a couple of scores, that will hurt his draft stock. But yeah. in, in a strange way, he moved well, he threw with accuracy. Mm. He made a couple of really wild throws as well, I thought. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. A couple of them on the move, mm. uh, rolling out. He made some nice hits. And then also sitting in the pocket... He threw a nice um, kind of it was a slot corner, a slot fade a couple of times. Um, connected well with that, so you know he's obviously still super talented. Sure, yeah. It was almost too much of a difference in class to be able to tell how good he was. Exactly, I think this yeah the surrounding talent was really telling. Um, I think one tweet um, I sent out during the game was when he beat the the freshman. I only said rookie then. Uh, talking about NFL too much. Um, the freshman <laughs> corner, Derek Stingley, uh, over the top of him. And it's like one of these wild throws I just mentioned. I think he beat Delpit with one as well early on. But then obviously later on in the game, Stingley comes back, gets a really athletic interception. Like you say, that's just the talent sort of differential between the two programs that they have. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, one of the things that I noticed was if you if you were to like draw up a perfect scenario for Utah State's defense, it would be, to to give up everything underneath, force the LSU offense to take four yards at a time, mm. um, because that's like that will slow the game down and give you more opportunities. And they actually did a good job of that, particularly in the first half. But then every time it seemed to be a one-on-one situation, that LSU receiving call was winning, mm. and and you just couldn't they just couldn't do anything about it. Like they tried to sit back and just let force LSU to take a couple of yards at a time. And then every time they did anything a little bit different or they got into a man coverage situation, that LSU receiving core just looked otherworldly. It looked like an NFL team versus a high school team, never mind, you know, two top 25 ranked sides. <laughs> yeah, and that's obviously, that's often what it is uh, when, you know, a couple of years after. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, I think it'll be, be. It'll, be uh, it'll be good to see John Love in something like the senior ball when he's got a bit more talent around him. Um, and, you know, when he's, like, taking that step up. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, that's all for in future. Uh, but for tonight, like I said before, we're going to focus on teams that have surprised us and teams that have disappointed us. Maxwell, what do you want to start off with? Do you want to start off with the good news or the bad news? Let's, uh, let's start positive, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't okay. you kick us off with something I will. I'll uh, kick positive. us off. I'll kick us off with a, not just one team, but a whole host of teams. Uh, my big surprise is the top of the Big Ten. Um, obviously, we knew the Big Ten has got a lot of talented teams, as we mentioned, Ohio State, 
Penn State obviously very good. I've been banging on about Jonathan Taylor for weeks now, it seems, about how he's sort of running all over everyone. But, you know, you look down the top 25 that's been published, obviously, after the weekend, and you've got a hell of a lot of Big 12 teams, sorry, Big 10 teams in there, my, my mistake, and a hell of a lot of Big 10 teams that are unbeaten. You've got Ohio State at three, Wisconsin at eight, Penn State at 10, Michigan somehow at 16, and then Iowa at 17. And that's just a lot of talent in the top, you know, the top 25 for one conference. Then also a little bit further down, you've got Minnesota, who are also unbeaten but don't make the top 25. And then even further down, you know, we've just been talking about Michigan State, their defense, how sort of talented they are and how we sort of hold them up as a, a sort of example of a, a big test for some of these programs. And I suppose you can throw them in there as well. But obviously early on in the season, Maryland were putting points up on everyone and were the number one scoring defense and sorry, offense in the country. So there's a lot of surprise in the Big Ten, there's a lot of talent there. Um, I just think it's, I don't know, kind of showing out a little bit better than I imagined uh, when the sort of before the curtain went up. I think that's fair to say. I think, you know, it's everyone has jumped on Michigan and said, mm. you know, this team nearly got beat by Army. They, um, they you know, what was that, double overtime? They, then they got whooped by Wisconsin. And, and as much as Michigan obviously will be disappointed in that, um, the truth is they got, they played a fantastic Wisconsin team, mm. and then and then uh, a week later they're against Iowa, and the score's ten three, and <laughs> and both of those defenses looked amazing. You know, this is it is a strong conference, and I think in the past we've watched Big Ten performances, um, and we've seen good sides, and they get to a bowl game, and maybe they get beaten up. Um, but I don't know. This year, it, it certainly seems different, especially that uh, Wisconsin team. And like you said, um, number of good defense in there, Penn State, Michigan State. So I agree. I think that's a fair point to make. Certainly, if you compare them to other divisions like the Pac-12, hmm. um, I know there hasn't been a lot of crossover games between those two divisions, but certainly seems like a much stronger division right now. And some of it's fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. No, I'd completely agree with all that. Um, obviously, these teams obviously still need to all play each other, and we'll, we'll sort of shake the, you know, and we'll see the cream of the crop, and we'll shake out sort of how that's really going to be. But at the moment, like I say, really, really looking really strong. So, what's uh, what's your first surprise for us? First surprise. Um, let's kick it off with uh, with Mizzou, Missouri. Um, I think one of the things that's most surprised about them, you know, obviously they've got a lot of press, a lot of intrigue um, because of uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone, you know, coming from the Clemson program, obviously already, can't, like, not a, not a huge name, but a pretty big name yeah. Um, oh, yeah, in definitely. a lot of ways. A guy who's had a lot of success. Um, been, I'm pretty sure he's been to a championship game as well. Um, you know, this is a uh, very, it's a very good t- uh, player all round. And he steps into a side who are, you know, talented, but maybe I don't know if we if we knew how talented they are, and um, what they've gone and done has been has been really interesting. You know, the West Virginia game for me was the interesting one. West Virginia pushed Texas close this weekend. Mm-hmm. Only two weeks ago, Missouri beat them thirty-eight-seven. They trounced them. They absolutely <laughs> smashed them, and they're, and they're just one of those sides where they look like they've got a bunch of NFL players. They look like they've got some guys who are ready to play in the league right now. No one's talking about them because, you know, they're not Alabama and they're not Clemson. Um, but uh, um, they've really got some special players, some big, big boys on defense. And anyone uh, and the South Carolina game is an interesting one because South Carolina also got a bunch of uh, very good talent there and they really put them down. 
Um, that defense in particular is just it's extremely interesting to me, and I can't wait to see what they can do for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. No, I'd completely agree with that. I was I was going to reference the South Carolina game we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, or it may have even been last week. There's you know they're another tough defense, and you know Missouri beat them by twenty. Uh, yeah, you've, like you say, you've got Kelly Bryant going in. Um, he's kind of, to me, he's kind of been like, and I don't mean this sound disrespectful, but considering that they're both transfers, he's kind of been like a poor man's Jalen Hurts in the way that he's gone in there from a big program. He's kind of been shunned out for the younger guy. And, you know, he's coming it's in and fair. performing it's in his own right. I don't, I don't mean that to sound, you know, I know that they're not performing on the same level, but they're doing sort of the same job for different, different um, programs. And like you say, he's looking like an NFL player. He's kind of like bringing himself up and bringing himself into the light again. Sort of say like, it wasn't because I was at Clemson and I can come back from the disappointment of losing my starting job. And yeah, like you say, on offense, they've got Larry Roundtree, Albert Okwebenam, who, yeah, like you say, they're NFL players ready to go on the offense. And yeah, you can probably point the finger at a couple of players on their D as well that are, like I say, ready to go. And I know that Tom has been a big sort of advocate of theirs. So yeah, shout out to you. And um, yeah, he's kind of proven him right on that one, that they are kind of a very intriguing team. And, and, you know, as they move into the sort of main body of their SEC performances and their SEC games, then they'll probably pull a few wins. Uh, yeah, and uh, talk about their defense. I can't remember his name now. I wish I'd done the, um, the full review, but they've got a they've got a nose tackle. Uh, where's a single digit number nine? I think, and he's having a hell of a year. Um, really, really super athletic, talented um, player in the middle there. I'll, I'll find out. And we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, real real talent on that defense, and I'm excited mm. to um, to see what they can do. Obviously, some tough games as always in the SEC, but. Mm. Um, but yeah, good side. This is really where we're getting into the main body now. You know, you've you've got all the cupcakes out of the way a lot of the time now, and then we're getting into like week six, and it's starting for conference play. And this is where we, like I said before, with the Big Ten, is kind of where we shake it out and kind of separate the the cream of the crop and and the rest, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, yeah, you know, real uh, bunch of um, proper uh, in-division rival games now. Mm. The only thing that's interesting about Missouri uh, is that they, they lost their opener to Wyoming. Um, and it's always a tough one when you, when you lose that game. They've almost actually been knocked down further because they had that loss like mm. straight at the start of the year. And I think a big part of it was just because they weren't... Um, you know, they, they, they hadn't fully gelled yet. They weren't necessarily all on the same page at that point. Um, but in a way, that's almost held them back quite a lot because since that point, they've dominated everyone. And that yeah. Wyoming team is, is not to be messed around with either, you know? No, no, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the Mountain West is a really underrated conference. And I guess I think we're going to come to at least one of their teams uh, a little bit later on. But I'll put that to one side for now and I'll move on to another team. Uh, one that we've sort of talk about quite a lot on the on the podcast throughout the season, one that one of our staff has been really, really high on. Um, Jamie Newman is our quarterback. It's Wake Forest. And I think they've also found a big-time receiver in Sage Sherratt as well. Uh, Wake Forest, 5-0, and sitting pretty in the ACC. Um, and, you know, it could carry on. I think we've mentioned this before, that their schedule is a little bit soft. They've got three home games in a row coming up, uh, starting this weekend against Louisville. After that, they've got Florida State and NC State. And although you know they're not not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination, but they're all winnable games. So you know, could we be sat here in a few weeks looking at an eight and O Wake Forest team? Which you know, I think that would be a huge surprise, and I think it's a bit of a surprise that they're five and O right now. 
Um, you know, that's kind of surprising to me. Uh, I know Thomas Robbery's been really high on them, who I was referencing earlier. Uh, but yeah, the more, the more I sort of look into this and the more I think, yeah, wow. Um, and I think he's going to kind of put this into words. He's got an article coming out on them very, very soon. So I don't want to divulge too much on them. But yeah, the Wake Forest has definitely been a bit of a surprise for me uh, in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, they obviously haven't had all the competition so far, but another winnable game this week against Louisville. And um, like you said, there's no reason to not think that right now they can keep winning. I think they've got an um, interesting test coming up, um, not this weekend, next weekend against um, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because after Florida State's first game when they lost the opener, they were kind of putting the back burn, but they've come back a little bit, I would say. Uh, they certainly have done, yeah. I mean, um, but <clears throat> kind of, uh, I suppose, I don't want to move on from Wake too quickly, but Florida State's offense is one of my disappointments. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll say yeah. that one for later then. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they're like, because um, if you know, if you talk about talent, just uh, individual um, perfor- like players, Florida State are traditionally one of these teams that rattles out a number of NFL players. Mm, and sure. um, Wake, as much as they've got some interesting talent, and I do think that the backfield, um, Carney and Christian Bill Smith are both guys who are, you know, you never know, they could make it to the league. But um, they, this is going to be an example of where can a team outplay players because they won't be as talented as that Florida State team. Um, mm. But they, they certainly, I, right now, the way I'm looking at it, I'm thinking they're favourites for that game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wish, with you mentioning that, I wish I'd sort of looked up the line and uh, sort of uh, got the info on that. But yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, like you say, um, it's maybe sometimes about me the sort of more than some of your parts kind of thing, rather than just having talented individuals, which you might see on Saturday on the weekend coming up. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, next up for me, I kind of mentioned the Mountain West. So I'm going to move into into that now. Um, my next surprise is Boise State, five and zero again, another unbeaten team. Um, they've got a late season showdown with Utah State, which could be telling in the in the Mountain West uh, sort of shakeup and how that sort of plays out. This weekend, they've got a big game against Hawaii, another Mountain West team who have been knocking off some people. You know, they've beaten a couple of Pac-12 teams this year, so a, another big test. Uh, the key to that, I think, is that it's in Boise, it's in Idaho, so it's going to be a long road trip for Hawaii, uh, which could be the key. They've got a couple it's always of, a long road gonna, trip for Hawaii. Well, yeah, that is very true. <laughs> that is very true. They seem to cope with it rather well, uh, like I say, knocking off a couple of Pac-12 teams. But uh, yeah, that's another long one for them. Um, I think Boise have got a couple of really driving key facts as well. Um, someone who I've rated highly all through summer, as soon as I saw him, Curtis Weaver, the defensive end, He's a monster. Um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he gets drafted very, very highly, especially once testing comes out. Um, yeah. He's got nine sacks on the season already and we're only through five games. He had nine and a half sacks last year through 12 and in his freshman season he had 11. So he's got that production. Um, I think he... I, b- I believe he's a sack leader, yeah. I, I think was just, he's a sack leader. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think he's approaching it. I, whether he's passed it or not, I haven't checked for a while, but... He, yeah, he, and that's the you know a pretty decent program for you know Mountain West program. It's not to be sniffed at if he does indeed hold that record. Um, and then on the flip side of the ball, um, you got the young quarterback, the freshman Hank Backmeyer, who from he's, freshman he's, he's playing really really well. I, I haven't had a chance to really dive into him, but um, I know that Thomas has had a look, quick look at him and he rates him. And just looking at the numbers that he's putting up, he looks like he's playing pr- pretty solid football. 
uh, especially for a freshman as well in a pretty tough conference. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually diving into him when I can later on. And yeah, Boise, I didn't expect them to be quite this good. I didn't back them for the Might and West title. I backed Utah State um, with John Love. And, but yeah, though they're playing really well. And as I said, um, they beat Florida State in the opener, as I mentioned a moment ago. Yeah, I am loving Batmar, to be honest. I think um, that Florida State game uh, was a bit of a coming out party. But, um, uh, and, you know, first week, a bit like what I was saying before with Wyoming, Missouri, you know, you can, you can have a first week where maybe you're not all on the same page. Um, um, but for a freshman like that to step in and do what he did was amazing. And then since then, they had a couple of tough performances, uh, Marshall. They, they didn't put up many points against Marshall. They were 14-7. But the Marshall defense is excellent, and he got tested in some ways. You know, it was a very professional um, defense Marshall have got over there, mm-hmm. and they did a lot of things in pass coverage, which I think confused him. Um, but if you w- watch the um, the Air Force game, you know, Air Force, what a tough side to play. Always. Yeah, of course, every time. Yeah, and um, the run game really got shut down. They they were held to like three yards of rush. Um, and uh, they had a, you know, a lot of uh, runs that got stopped right there. Air Force were aggressive defense. And he came out and he threw two touchdowns, 300 yards nearly. Um, and he looked, he looked excellent. Like for a rookie, you know, I know a friend of mine who's a big college football fan compared him to a young Andrew Luck. <laughs> I oh, think wow. That's okay, probably, that's a... <laughs> I think that's going a bit far for me. But in terms of his... In terms of his um, like you look at a guy like Bo Nix. You know we didn't talk too mm. much about Auburn at the beginning. But um, right now, if you look at those two programs, both of them starting a freshman quarterback right now, who do you, who do you think is actually more capable of executing a passing offense? Mm. Backmire for me is that guy, and he is one of the most impressive like um, passing rookies I've seen. You know, a couple of other big programs who have got good quarterbacks. Oklahoma State got another, I think he's a freshman as well. Um, the quarterback over there, and again over him, I think I think Batman is right up there with any of the freshmen. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great comparison actually, because Bo Nix was obviously coming in as an SEC player, uh, freshman quarterback, and obviously had that big game against Oregon to start of the year. He didn't play great personally, but obviously got them the win, which gave him some sort of you know didn't get all prestige. But yeah, no, Batman played a lot better. I don't think Bo Nix actually shown himself to be that. Great. I mean, I don't want to write him off too soon. I don't want to say he's like a bad player or anything like that, but he's not lived up to the fanfare so far. And like you say, Backmire no. kind of is and coming from like a smaller program and you know, he's playing really well. So yeah, no, I would I would definitely go along with that comparison that you've just made. Yeah. Having said that, Hawaii are playing excellent. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, we're giving them the kiss of death here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, like, that was a big win over um, Arizona week one. Arizona have beaten They've been everyone brilliant, since, they since they Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Khalil Tate's special. Um, yeah. Big advocate um, of his, big fan. Yeah, um, and um, so so. Yeah, but then again, they did they did put they lost a lot of points against um, Washington. Washington um, really really put Hawaii to the test. Um, and one of the things that's good about Washington is that is that defense. Um, the very proper um, pattern matching four two five, like a really well structured defense. Mm-hmm. And Boise have got one of those as well. So I think Boise could actually come out of this looking even better if they put a good win on Hawaii here. So um, could go one or two ways, you know. But I do think if I had to, you know, put my put the cards on the table, I'd say this defense is going to be um, enough to hold back that Hawaii team, and could be a, a really big win for them. 
Mm, yeah, no, I agree with that, definitely. I mean, without wanting to go off on too much of a tangent about Hawaii, I think one thing that really works for Hawaii is they've got such a unique offence that no one runs with the run and shoot, and Cole McDonald's a bit of an unorthodox quarterback to sort yeah, of pile up that wild, as well. Yeah. His throwing action is, well, it's, mm. <laughs> it's as long as a week, they're I think. A, they're a fun team. They're a yeah, really no, they definitely team are, and they can put up a lot of points. Um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely one to watch. <clears throat> uh, maybe we'll sort of go into that one next week after after we've uh, seen that uh, that game. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes, so my last one, actually, isn't it? Uh, Baylor. Baylor Bears. I know you've got one coming out on them as well in well tomorrow actually. So just before I go into that, do you want to kind of tease what you've kind of written about Baylor? Yep. So I'm going to be right. I've written about I've written about the um, the defense. I think you know what we're seeing in Baylor is yes, they haven't played um, <clears throat> all the big sides at this point, um, but they are they've won every game. They're five and zero. Oh. And they have shown from a defensive perspective that um, they can change and adapt and they can really um, hinder teams' um, progress in the red zone, Mm -hmm. one by takeaways, um, also just by generating a lot of pressure up front. Their front six really is talented and... There are a lot of them are seniors in there, so they've been playing now for the whole three years since Matt Rule got there. And um, I can't wait to see them face the bigger teams in the Big 12. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. Going to be a good matchup. And I think, um, without sort of going into article too much, I think one thing that really plays off their defence is the fact that Charlie Brewer is playing really smart football. He's playing mistake-free football. He's not throwing an interception this year. He's not being the most explosive quarterback in the world, but he's not, you know, he's sort of kind of doing what, um, Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky should be doing and want to be doing for the Chicago Bears at the moment. You know, lean on the defense and not making mistake, uh, mistake-filled football, and just you know doing enough, I guess. Um, and like you say, the test will come. Denzel Mims have to keep playing like a star that he is playing like at the moment. Um, you know, they, like you say, they've not really played anyone yet, but you can't do better than five and zero. Um, so yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing them the rest of the season. I wrote the. Uh, preseason review for the Big 12 uh, in well, in the preseason, obviously. Um, and I had myself down, um, or had Baylor down, sorry, as a 7-5 and five team overall. So I've smart myself down on that one because I think that one's not going to come out the way I expected it to. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that sort of plays out. But yeah, no, really looking forward to that article tomorrow. I, I've read it obviously earlier on and I think it's really fantastic. So um, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to see that one. Yeah, hopefully I've just shined a light on what is a... Uh... Uh, a really improved defense. Um, you know, they're actually doing different things schematically than they were doing last year. Maybe they've copied off their own rivals, Iowa State, and, and they're doing what they're doing better. But mm. but right now, they, they really are doing some different things. They're generating loads of pressure um, with quite a, a simple but effective style. And some of those guys um, are just playing um, like they really want to be part of a proper program. Matt Rule is, you can see why he was getting... Um, interviews by NFL teams because mm. this is the second time he, he did it at Temple he turned them around and Baylor a couple of years ago his first year were at 1-11 and and now they're 5-0 and going into a big game versus Texas Tech who themselves are off the back of that big um, uh, they just beat um, Oklahoma State last weekend mm-hmm. yeah. um, 45 points um, you know they were looking fantastic so here's another real challenge for them um, but if I had to, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say uh, Baylor's defense does well again and and holds um, holds back Texas Tech um, uh, and that offense. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think one sort of kind of outside point to this is, 
if you look at Baylor historically and you look at um, the Big 12, they're not known for the defense. You know, this isn't a defensive conference. This is a conference that has a lot of high scores. And obviously Baylor um, are known for sort of the air raid, Art Bryles kind of offense with Robert Griffin III and, pe- and things like that. That's where people sort of know them most recently because since then, like you said, they've not been good. So it's kind of good to sort of see them put another spin on it, I guess. Yeah, totally agree. I think, you know, they had a the long-time defensive coordinator there for many years was Phil Bennett. And um, he he was a very good defensive coordinator, but very much overshadowed by an offensive powerhouse. Mm. Um, so um, great to see uh, Matt Rule and, and, um, and Phil Snow there develop what looks like a really, really tasty defense. So um, I'm excited to see them this week, um, fresh off um, Texas Tech and... Um, Jet Duffy, the, the quarterback there, had an amazing game against Oklahoma State. So, um, yeah, let's see, uh, let's see what he does against Baylor. Absolutely, absolutely. Go on then, hit us with your last uh, surprising team. <clears throat> so, surprising team. So, I wanted to – I was going to talk about the whole, the whole of the AAC mm-hmm. West, to be honest, <laughs> because the, the AAC West has got some um, – uh, I could pick Memphis, I could pick Tulane, um, I could pick SMU. Um, of those three teams, they've only got one loss between them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm, so let me go. So I could go to any of those, but let's go to uh, let's go to Tulane. So Tulane, they, they have had one loss this year. The um, they lost to Auburn earlier in the season. Um, obviously, um, you know Auburn, a very very good side yeah. uh, and a different different level in a lot of ways than Tulane and and, and the level that they're playing the game at. Yeah. Um, so you know the fact that they lost um, maybe is nothing to be um, you know too upset about. But also I think um, the the fact that <clears throat> um, they, that was a relatively close game, and since then um, they've been rolling. They had the, the the famous game a couple of weeks ago against Houston, where in the last second they did a fake spike. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was thirty seconds left. Rather than just spike the ball and run out the clock, they did a fake spike, which ended up um, going on helping them. Uh, win the game with a big, um, uh, a big fifty-yard pass to finish it off, um, and um, then they had another big win this last week uh, against uh, you know an Army defense who are always um, game, always interesting to, um, uh, always giving teams trouble, and they're putting up points after points after mm. points, and the way they're doing it is. Um, fascinating. Um, they have got one of the most varied and interesting offensive schemes in football right now. They've got a wing tee package, uh, literal like, you know, proper. This is like, um, <laughs> it looks like watching, a, I don't know, a high school game or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, <clears throat> they've got a wing tee package where they're running the book sweep and the trap and they're running the belly. Um, and then they come out and they're in, a, and they're in spread. Um, throwing the ball deep like it's a running shoot or air raid, and then they're coming back and they're running the jet sweep with a with a lead and a QB counter, which looks like an Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley's offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who wants to just go watch an interesting football team right now, turn on the Army uh, Tulane game because one Army are always a fun team to watch. You know, yeah. a very aggressive. Um, uh, defense who um, brings some some of the most uh, interesting blitzes in football. Um, and then Tulane have just got everything going on on an offensive perspective. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know much about their uh, coaching staff right now, but people will be talking about them after this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if people were talking about this coaching staff moving on to bigger and better things because Tulane obviously are not the, the biggest program in the world. Sure. What's, yeah, yeah. What they're doing from an offensive perspective is fascinating. Um, and as I mentioned, the whole of that 
division is you've got a few talented teams there. Um, Memphis haven't lost yet, and SMU haven't lost yet, and um, Tulane have got to play both those sides later in the year. <clears throat> um, Memphis, uh, you know, they're they're one of the top um, statistical offenses in football. Um, um, so they'll be a tough test for them, and um, SMU are actually also in the top twenty-five as well at the minute. So, mm. um, it, 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 you know, and I didn't think I'd be talking about the uh, the American West Conference, but uh, <laughs> you know, these guys they're, they're bringing out some interesting football and they're doing some different things. Um, and uh, yeah, they lost to the lights of Auburn, but it wasn't a big loss, twenty-four-six, and um, they showed they could do some things even versus a better offense. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's the sort of innovation that we kind of see when you're talking about the two-lane offense that you kind of see and the NFL kind of watches that and then you'll see the ideas maybe next year that, that have kind of come from that and you know people put their own spin on it and like you say, the coaching staff then get picked up and go to onto bigger and better things. So, yeah, no, I think you make a great point. Like you say, it's, it's kind of refreshing to see SMU at 21, Memphis at 23 and um, you know a lot of good football being played in a, in a small conference. And I think it's really good from our point of view to kind of draw attention to these teams for for fans um, because I think I said to you earlier on today in our group chat it's not something that I pay enough attention to and it's something that I want to get better at and more knowledgeable in so um, I think you know it's a good example for everyone to sort of follow and, and it is relevant especially when we talk about like the Baylor thing like Matt Rule um, he was the Temple coach a couple of years ago and no one would be talking about a Temple team usually. Um, now they're talking about Baylor, maybe they're a bigger program, but he could be an NFL head coach next year. Sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, and he could have been this year if, um, if Jets would have let him have a bit more freedom. So, hmm. um, you know, the, the, the guys who, these are the difference makers. They've got to start somewhere. So um, college football is a great group breeding ground for uh, the next innovations in football. Exactly. And then you always get the... the the sort of quintessential college football players like the fake spike like we saw with today and I think that's just college football <laughs> in a nutshell for me yeah it was yeah. okay so that's the good news out of the way let's move on to the disappointments people who have sort of not performed to where we expected to kind of letting us down a little bit uh, I'm going to start off this one because obviously there's only one place that disappointment starts in my mind and that's Pac-12 at the moment I'm going to start with Washington uh, Washington, you know, it might seem a bit odd on the, the face of it. They're four and two, but they're one and two in conference play after losses to Stanford and Cal. I had the Huskies down as a potential playoff team at the start of the year. I thought they could have been potential Pac-12 champions, uh, but I think in my mind they've been the most Pac-12 of Pac-12 teams. Like I say, they're four and two, but <laughs> to lose to Cal and Stanford, I mean, they, it all just eats itself, doesn't it? You know, and to lose to their sort of two of their. North rivals, their sort of divisional rivals, it makes it a massive uphill battle. It's going to make it tough. They've got to play Oregon. They've got to play Utah. Fortunately for them, they're both in Seattle, uh, but that's in consecutive weeks. And then we mentioned Arizona. They play next week, and Arizona could be the best team in the Pac-12 at the moment. Um, and they, you know, that's another potential loss. And they finished the season obviously with the Apple Cup against Washington State. Again, that's luckily in Husky Stadium. But these are all treacherous games. These are all games that, that Washington could lose. And, you know, then they've got to play in Colorado. They've got to play in Oregon State. And these aren't gimmies again. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if Washington actually lost six games this year, which is a world away from where, where I thought they would be, to be honest with you, which is why I just say they're a massive disappointment. They've got some good things. You know, they've got Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason's playing okay. He's been a bit inconsistent. Um, Aaron Fuller's really coming to the fore. He's having a lot of, a lot of good games. He's had 171 yards against Stanford at the weekend, despite them being in a loss. 
you mentioned the defence earlier on and, and how well it's playing, but I think they are missing Greg Gaines, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy and Ben McKibben on that defence, kind of like the leadership group. I don't sort of see too much of that now. Um, so, yeah, no, like I say, I think it's kind of all pouring to one. I think Washington, a bit of a disappointment. I think I think it's fair. Like, at the end of the day, um, at this stage in the season, you don't expect to see Washington with two losses. Mm. Um, you know, they haven't done it in a long time. Chris Peterson is one of the... He's one of the best fa- coaches in the... Of course. Just, you know, in the, the whole of college football for me. Yeah, because he's done it again and again with multiple programs, and you can't deny that. Um, but they will be disappointed. And really, what's funny is, a bit like what we mentioned about Hawaii earlier, um, they actually have dominated the wins they've had. So in those four wins, mm. they've been same old Washington. They, they were flying. But um, uh, yes, Eason hasn't played um, terribly, but he threw for less than 200 yards in that Cal game. And he only threw for a couple of 200 yards again in that Stanford loss. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's not that he is the be all and end all, but I do think that their um, attack seems stunted compared to the last couple of seasons. And um, as much as they have lost on defense, they still haven't given up that many points. Um, and they're just not putting, they're not getting those um, tight wins that maybe we're used to seeing. Mm. Um, that's it. So, that, that's where that's what I mean by the yeah. leadership group comment. That you know, if we go back to the uh, Washington State game last year, that had one touchdown. It was a Byron Murphy interception. That's Washington's defense sort of grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and winning them the game. Whereas you know, you're not giving up a lot of points, but you're not winning the game for the team either. So that's kind of what I'm, kind of what I was kind of thinking along the lines of. With that. That's a really fair point. Yeah, it's a really fair point. You know, I suppose I suppose that is it. Maybe they're not the ones who are. Um, I suppose they're pulling through. Off, I suppose their offense has never been the centerpiece of that team, um, and they they get they get loads of guys go to the NFL. So yeah, the past couple of years they have lost a lot of talent. Although um, from Chris Peter, they're all play, they're all brilliant players as well. Mm. <laughs> Every time I look on um, NFL highlights, there's another Washington DB making yeah. play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely had the the sort of claim to be one of the DBU candidates. Um, so hit us up with your hit us up with your first disappointing team. Well, this is going to be a funny one. The one that I'm going to go into to begin with, just off the back of what we just talked about, is actually Stanford. The team that just beat Washington this weekend. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know what? This weekend actually was one of the reasons that I actually felt even more um, passionate about the fact that they have have disappointed me this year. the Stanford team of old, when, I, when, when Andrew Luck retired uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, before the start of the season, I went back and watched a bunch of Andrew Luck film from college. Um, okay. so I, was just, I, I remember thinking that was one of the funniest film I've ever seen. Like turning on the, the three tight end set, you know, three tight end and a, and a full back and a running back, and they're just running power down teams' throat. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, the, the Christian McCaffrey era where they're doing exactly the same thing. We, we saw David Shaw and that offense run through teams for years. Yes. Now, I'm not blaming Bryce Love, <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> something happened in the Bryce Love, uh, the, the, the Bryce Love era where that offense changed like philosophically they don't do any of those things that they used to do they you don't see the same heavy 
power sets that you used to get consistently. They are in spread uh, uh, offenses way more than they used to be. And it's not as fun and they're not doing as well. Last year, you know, they will they will be disappointed in their 2018 season more than anyone, Stanford. You know, they, they didn't have the season that I think they set out to have. Um, four losses, um, you know, given, given up um, however many. They, I think in three of those losses, they gave up 40 points. Um, you know, they, they weren't very happy with themselves last season. And, and David Shaw talked about that. And then this season they've come out. And um, every time they've ran the ball and committed to running the ball, which they did against Washington this mm-hmm. weekend, um, you know, you know they, they did commit to that run and they really um, put some kind of uh, stop behind it. I think um, the, the running back, he's, um, I've got his first name, Scarlett. Um, yes, that's right. Cameron Scarlett. Okay. So yep. Cameron Scarlett, brilliant, brilliant uh, player. Um, you know, not the biggest running back, but he's tough. He's he's a hard runner. He had like 33 uh, rushes, and I think he had 35 touches altogether, or something like that. Um, and um, that commitment to the run game was great to see. It was this is the Stanford that we want. That's their they, identity, they, right? Exactly. Yeah. They um they the, the quarterback turns around, puts it into the belly of a running back who's following a fullback and a pulling guard, and that's that is what Stanford who they are. And it actually opens up the pass game more. Yeah, they did some of that against Washington, um, but they haven't done it enough this year. And um, I really hope that win helps them get back to what they're good at. So you're kind of disappointed to see their identity change rather than maybe their performances. Is that fair to say? Well, I think it, it, it didn't both. help. Yeah, because that Oregon loss earlier in the year really felt to me like. It, the, that was a game that they could have gone in there and won. Oregon, you know, they've got a very talented quarterback. Um, they've got a very talented team um, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But the Stanford side has still got a bunch of players. You look at them and go, I think these are NFL players. You know, these look like uh, very talented uh, guys who can cause uh, real trouble for any team. And um, it's almost disappointing to see them try and be, you know, do their best practice to look like a Washington State. We don't want to see that. <laughs> Stanford. And um, it's boring. I, I don't know what... I used to love watching Stanford every single game. And uh, right now, I've been disappointed by the fact they haven't committed to that run game. They had a big win doing it this last weekend. So um, let's see if they can get back to it. Yeah, that's first fair to say. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what they do. Obviously, it's going to be another sort of slugathon within the Pac-12 where they're all going to beat each other up. And I think, yeah, playing that sort of physical brand of football kind of plays into that. Mm. Used to set them apart. So yeah. <laughs> you, sound, you actually sound really disappointed in your voice when, you, when you're talking about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, next up for me, disappointments-wise, is um, UCF. Um, and obviously this is just quite obvious. You know, it's the first two lost season since Scott Frost's first season. Um, it's not something we expected. Their only loss in the past two years is that a Fiesta Bowl loss to LSU, and they've lost. Sorry, they've won uh, the past two AAC championships, both against mm. Memphis. This wasn't expected. You know, the preseason talk was about UCF going unbeaten again, and one particular member of the media, who I won't name, um, put out a tweet uh, in mid-September, which said, and I quote: "UCF would smoke any team in the ACC or Big Ten not named Clemson or Ohio State after they beat Stanford in mid-September." <laughs> Next week, what did they go and do? They lost to Pitt, an ACC team. Uh, and then they lost to Cincinnati, obviously, this weekend. And 
we you know do we see the the title sort of go out of their grasp? I'm not sure. It's I guess it's kind of tough for UCF. They lost Mackenzie Milton. Uh, they lose talent to the NFL each year, and you know if you want, but again, if you want to be talked in such high esteem, you've got to kind of cope with these things. We were just talking about Washington a minute ago, um, losing talent every year. The big programs do it, and UCF kind of want to be up there as you know the national champs, and they want to be talked about in this high esteem. So they've, mm. they've got to kind of cope with it. Um, maybe expectations are a bit too high for them to go unbeaten again for a third season, but again, you know, it kind of plays into the whole thing, and I feel like they've been a bit underwhelming. So yeah, they go into my disappointment pile again. It's very fair. I mean, the, the, you know, Cincinnati and Pitt are two good teams. That's not, you know, it's not like they got beat by um, poor sides, but mm. um, they they are doing things that they weren't doing. You know, um, yeah, they're still scoring forty five points a game. The offense is still there, um, which is great to see. But um, their, their defense is giving up a lot of points. Um, they're not having the same effect on special teams they were having before. And, um, you know, it's, it, it is a disappointment. They'll be disappointed. Um, and it, uh, sadly, the way college football works, you, know, you look at Alabama and Clemson, some of the reason for their rankings is because of what they've done in the past three yes, years. Yes, yeah, for sure. Well, UCF are the same. If UCF had five unbeaten seasons, would we really be able to discount them from a playoff spot? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have one unbeaten season, you know, like Wake Forest or someone right now, then you can discount someone a little bit. So whether previous seasons or not, whether people want them to count is irrelevant. The fact <laughs> is they do count. So so this this is like, unfortunately, hindering their chances of being in a playoff next year or the year after. Mm, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with that's one, one thing that you, you said there is that they'll be disappointed by it. They do talk themselves up as this big team. You know, they should be playing big big teams and being in big games, but they've not performed and they'll be disappointed within themselves. And I think even more reason for sort of us to put them in that bracket as well. So I guess yeah. you, you okay. um, I think you wanted to go from, I've just talked about Scott Frost's old team. You wanted to talk about his current team, didn't you? Yeah, I did want to talk about Nebraska. Um, when I watched Nebraska play, uh, when I watched their offense play, uh, and what Scott Frost can do, I, I, I still get fascinated. I still think there are things that he does on offense which um, m- maybe other people do, but but no one seems to do uh, as well as him. Um, you know, he's still rushing for 200 yards a game. He's doing it with a quarterback. You know, I don't want to hate on Andrew Martinez, but <laughs> he's not a he's not that talented. You know, he's not a very he's not a great thrower of the ball. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. Um, uh, so he still does some things on offense where you just think, uh, wow, that's fascinating. Or, you know, the other day he went back to I formation against Ohio State and they had a drive where they, where they went 60 yards down the field running um, fullback trap and uh, QB belly and stuff. Mm. So, he, <laughs> you know, he, he, he does throw some things in there where you just go, wow, that's so interesting. Um, but the truth is the Nebraska team, you know, he came in, to UCF and he turned around a poor program into a winner straight away. He promised, you know, maybe he didn't promise it, but everyone was thinking he's going to do the same thing. And although they haven't had a bad year this year, they haven't been what we wanted to see. Um, You know, they haven't been dominant. They haven't been scoring quite as much as we want. They still make lots of mistakes. Um, And um, yeah, they lost to Ohio State or a more talented side. 
Um, but they only put 10 points up against, or maybe 13 points up against Northwestern last weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lost to Colorado in overtime. Um, They're about to face Minnesota this weekend. And you look at what Minnesota are doing this year, Mm. they might lose that game. Um, This is a good Nebraska team, um, better than it was when he, before he got there. Uh, but I just wanted a bit more from Scott Frost, especially um, some of the, you know, especially from the point scoring perspective. They're still making a lot of mistakes, and um, that's a, this is a second year team now. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of those players back. Um, I don't know if 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 it really is just a talent thing, and that they're, they're just still um, suffering from before he got there. But um, they've certainly not been as good as I wanted them to be. It was. Um, it's not fun to see them have two weeks in a row where they put twenty points up across two games. You know yeah. that is not. That's not the team we're used to seeing out of a Scott Frost offense. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely want to see more from them. Um, we've got a big test for Minnesota, and then we've got to see them play um, Purdue and, and Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. And the Wisconsin game in particular. You know, if he wants to make a statement, that'd be the time that's to the do time it. To do it exactly. Yeah, definitely. That's a real defense. Do you think, I mean, we might have been saying this if we were doing this podcast last year at this time, but do you think they're a year away? Do you think it's going to be maybe next year when Scott Frost in year three, Adrian, Martel, Adrian Martinez is a year older, year wiser, year more experienced? Do you think we'll then see the real Nebraska? Or do you think then, like you say, this is maybe not a great fit and it's only going to ever get as good as this for now? It's hard to say, isn't it? Because, again, the one thing that they have now which they didn't have previously is the is the difficult schedule you know when they were a UCF you didn't have the same complicated like incredibly difficult schedule mm. that they've got right now um so you know it, obviously it is a very different game i just don't think i'm not sure um martinez gives them everything they want and i'd like to see more out of the defense as well UCF was always you know part of the reason maybe for the fall down now is that their defense under Scott Frost was also excellent. Um, and it never got the praise of the offense, but it was excellent. And Nebraska had some good performances last year. Uh, Michigan State game comes to mind where they really shut down the offense. But this year, they've given up a lot of points. Hmm. Um, so uh, we'll see. Are, are, they, are they a year away? Um, I would say right now, no. Um, but let's see more out of them this back end of the year. Let's see some life. Let's see them put some points on Wisconsin, or uh, if they could beat Minnesota, it would be good. Um, mm, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But right now, they haven't shown all the things that we want to see from a Scott Frost team. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like you say, I think you want to see some light at the end of the tunnel, moving into next year maybe, and then we'll be able to sit here or maybe sit in sort of the preseason next year and sort of say maybe Nebraska are going to be that team in the Big Ten that can really sort of pull up some trees and make make some noise as they were kind of expected to do this year maybe. Yeah, maybe we maybe we all just got ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it's probably that. It's probably that. But hey, maybe. Let's finish off in Florida. I think you're going to finish off in Florida, so so will I. Uh, my <laughs> last team is Miami. Um, I think there's a bit of trouble brewing here in Miami. Um, I think they benched, they benched Aaron Williams at the weekend, um, and they haven't looked like the team overall that I thought they would towards the top of the ACC. I think we spent the full preseason on the podcast talking about whether Tate Martell would be the starter. Um, obviously, it's a couple of days before the <laughs> season opener. Manny Diaz names Aaron Williams as the starter against Florida. Uh, Jeremy Williams has been fine this past weekend, though he threw three 
first quarter interceptions against Virginia Tech and he was benched for Nkozi Perry uh, who everyone on our staff I think is a pretty limited thinks he's a pretty limited player um, yeah. Diaz has shown faith obviously in Jaron Williams moving forward he sort of said that he's going to be a starter against Virginia but I think you know is this kind of sliding out of control he, Williams has really got to step up and sort of save his coaches back for putting the putting the sort of uh, the faith in him, I guess, to sort of see, to sort of say that you're going to be the starter, even though you've performed terribly. Maybe it's because he doesn't have a good backup either. So, you know, they obviously don't trust Tate Martell as a quarterback. Um, but if he has another meltdown on Saturday, Miami can ill afford that. I would say they're two and three. They're not where they want to be. And if I was on the other side on Saturday for Virginia, they've got Bryce Hall. He's my CB one, and I'd be licking my lips if I was Bryce Hall and wanting to get in Williams's head and. You know, I think that's a that's a real treacherous matchup that they've got against Virginia coming up. Do we think? Are you saying? You know, let's say Williams has a bad game, mm. um, or has a horrible first quarter. Uh, who comes in at quarterback? Well, this is it, isn't it? He's kind of backed himself <laughs> into a into a corner man ideas because he's going to have to put Perry in again because they obviously don't trust Martel because they were Gosh. trying to mount a wide receiver. Um, you know, he's been this big sort of transfer. Everyone has Ferrari, obviously, it suckered us in to sort of discussing it. And then next thing we know, he's a wide receiver. It's weird, isn't it? I, I, I'd love, I mean, I think everyone wants to see Martel have a go. Um, if anyone saw what he did at high school, you know, he's mm. about as talented a, a high school player as, as we've ever seen. Uh, Bishop Gorman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone wants to see him have a go, but trying him out wide receiver is, is mad. I, I would love to. I mean, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I don't want to see Williams have a bad game. But no, no, of course not. I think he's Virginia he's, he's quite good, you know. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's very, very young. He's still a freshman, but yeah. But yeah, but Virginia are very good, mm. and um, I can't see them making it easy for him. So if they, you know, if they do want to, um, if they if they do need to bring someone else in, I would love to see the the um, the story of of Tate Martell's comeback to a quarterback. But um, right now, I just don't have faith in that program at all. No, um, no, I'm the same. Yeah, and the, it's not it's not fun to watch them um, on either side of the ball. Even though their defense does have clearly some talented players. Um, but uh, yeah, Miami's not too fun at the minute. Yeah, and I'm um, still holding out hope that that Martel gets uh, gets his shot. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. I, I don't have a lot of faith in him winning this game. Um, no, no, and they've got a tough stretch later as well. Pitt, um, Duke, um, some good teams. Yeah, I think they play Georgia Tech as well quite quite soon as well. Which mm. you know, if you're looking at sort of how the teams are playing, that could be sort of a basement battle. Mm, I think they'll. I think uh, everyone's beating Georgia Tech at the minute. I don't want to speak too ill of them. But, uh, <laughs> I know some guys in the coaching staff, but they. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, but but no, they're having a bad year. Yeah, and I mean Miami have been bad. You know, they're zero and two in conference play, and they've they've got two wins this season against Central Michigan, just about, and Beth Cookman. So yeah, they're, they're not knocking over anyone at the moment. Like you say, they've got that mm. big stretch coming up, and uh, yeah, it's not looking great. Maybe they'll throw Martel in just just because the season's gone and just to see what he's like. Maybe that's the way we'll get to see him. I'd love to see it. I really would. I mean, I know they're playing around with him out wide, but I would love to just see Martel have a go. Mm. Um, you know, any uh, obviously, I think he was he was documented on one of those TV shows and the Netflix. Yeah, QB show. one. Yeah. 
but he didn't really show you much of the football. Uh, Bishop Gorman have loads of football on YouTube if you want to just go have a look at what he was like there. And um, he was just electric, such fun to watch. And even even in the few chances he got at Ohio State, you know, he looked certainly looked better than what we're seeing at the minute in Miami. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to see him have a go, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. Mm. Last one then, uh, you're staying in Florida with Florida State and their offense, as you mentioned before. Yeah, obviously I've touched on Florida State already and, and I think I've kind of hinted the fact that they've, got, they've still got a lot of talent, but they are not um, necessarily um, using all of that talent to the best of its uh, ability, in my opinion. Um, they lost that big game uh, week one to Boise and I think people kind of brushed it off as a bit of a, oh, well, you know, week one kind of thing. Um uh, but but when Virginia beat them, uh, definitely showed some limitations. And in general, this was supposed to be a breakout year. This was the the Kendall Brawl show mm-hmm. theory. You know, we we heard the rumours. It was it was There's a Brawls coming back to a real team. Uh, the a, the you know the ACC is going to get, uh, get uh, to experience Kendall Brawl's offense down in Florida State. Um, what they what 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 the Baylor offense did those few years was special. Yeah. Um, and, and Kendall Bryles was a big part of that, obviously. Um, but the, the offense that he's brought over with him is, is not up to scratch. I don't think, I think it's done some good things, but um, I haven't seen the explosion that, that we would have wanted to see. Um, they're only putting up 30 points a game. Um, they're, they're passing the ball. Okay. Uh, but they're not really running. Uh, anywhere near as well uh, as I would have wanted to see out of a Kendall Bryles offense. Um, maybe not using some of the things that were really staple of that old Baylor team, the wide splits and the mm. quick screen game. You know, we're not seeing as much as that. And the next two weeks, they've got Clemson and Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So this is like, well, yeah. And and even if they lose that Clemson game, you want to see if Kendall Bryles is, is uh, everything that, maybe people have, have praised about. Um, let's see him put some points up against this cleansing defense. And then let's see if they can beat Wake because these next two weeks, we'll really see what this offense is. They've, they've had five games now. Um, you know, they've put up uh, 30 points now in the last two games in a row. And, and that last week, uh, last weekend's win, um, NC State, uh, you know, that was their biggest win of the year so yep. far. That yep. was a good performance, undoubtedly. Um, but up to that point, I hadn't been really impressed by what they were doing. Um, defense still giving up a lot of points. So um, you come off the back of a good game. You've got this supposedly, um, you know, talented offensive mind. You've got a good quarterback in Hornibrook. He's a, he, he can throw. You know, he's a good player. Um, uh, but let's see you actually run the ball because uh, they got held to less than two yards of carry at NC State. Let's see them. Let's see them do something more against a real team. Uh, right now, I've been very unimpressed by the Bryles offense experiment. That's fair to say. Yeah, no, no, I completely get that. One person I was going to mention and sort of ask about with you mentioning the running game is what do you make of Cam Akers so far this season? Oh, that, that NC State. No, don't get me wrong. NC State have got a very talented front seven. Um, they always do. Like they, they seem to put a lot of stock in recruiting that area. Um, but Cam Akers, uh, he was like uh, a bit of a, a bit of a bright spark in, in that game in terms of when he touched it. You thought something could happen. He had a big forty-yard uh, touchdown run, um, uh, and he is the bright spark in that team, mm. um, undoubtedly. 
Um, but they almost didn't give him the ball enough. Uh, he only had 17 carries. And I know he's shorter, but he's not a small guy. You know, he's he's over 200 pounds. Yeah, he's like a bowling think, ball, isn't he? Yeah, I think they should give him the ball more, if anything, because right now he looks like a home run hitter. Um, uh, and everything else they do, the quarterback run stuff, it's it's um, it, it leaves something to 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 think. Like, you know, why aren't they giving him the ball more? He should at least be getting the ball twenty times a game because he's uh, he's clearly a, a talented rusher. Uh, but then again, they they weren't running the ball too well, so we'll see. Um, but I um, I'm not been impressed by what I've seen so far. Um, you know, Boise and Virginia were good teams. Um, but giving up more than 40 points to Louisiana Monroe was, was mm, wild. That's a weird so, one. <laughs> yeah, they, they've, got, they've got a lot to, to do. Um, and fortunately, they'll get the opportunity. Clemson, Wake, two weeks in a row. Let's see what this Browse offense can do. Um, I, I think that Akers is a good player, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of time to put up or shut up. Um, Clemson, obviously, exactly. we've, we've mentioned that they've had a lot of turnover in their defense. Obviously, very talented. So we'll see what they can do against that and see what Cam Akers can do as well. Mm-hmm. So there we go. There we have it. There's our three disappointments and surprises, surprisingly good teams for us this season. Um, and that's going to pretty much wrap us up. All I want to do is kind of point you towards us in social media. So if you want to give us a follow, uh, it's um, at Full Ten Yards CFB on the Twitter. Um, you know, if you want to sort of give us some loves, give us some shares, give us some retweets, that'd be very much appreciated. We very much appreciate all your listens, all your views on our articles, of which we've got quite a few coming out. Um, soon obviously as we mentioned we've got Maxwell's article coming out on the Baylor defence very soon uh, I've got a Pac-12 sort of look back in the same style that Tom did with his SEC preview pre- pre-season preview uh, I'm going to do the same for my Pac-12 and then next week I'm going to do the same for the Big 12 before I hand the, the keys to the Big 12 completely over to Maxwell for him to look after and, and like I say I think we've got um, an article from Thomas coming out on Wake Forest so keep your eyes peeled for all those um, so yeah that pretty much wraps us up um, if you want to follow Maxwell on the Twitter, he is at a underscore winning underscore smile. And uh, that's where you can find him. Uh, that is correct, isn't it? I've got that right. That's it. A winning smile. That's yeah. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that wraps us up for today. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of wrap this one up. Maxwell, goodbye from you. Yeah, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. We'll see you on the other side, people. Play the outro music. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.